Welcome to Unmortal Live. I'm your host, Keith Meiger. We got somebody super special with us today. He is the he is Unmortal, which is awesome. Al Snow is with us. Uh, how are you doing, Al? Doing great. If I were any better, I'd be jealous of myself. <laughs> well, now I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. So we got so there's some cool stuff that happened since our last show. We did uh, we we interviewed John Wells, who is a stand up uh-huh. amazing guy. I mean, he was just giving me all kinds of pointers and and trying to help me. He really cares about people, and I thought that was awesome. But since yeah. we interviewed him, we got the, the the show got funded on Kickstart. So I mean, we got the short film funded. That's huge. Yeah. It's amazing, and uh, in a very short order too. Um, you know, it, it was put up and, and in no time at all, it was it was fully funded. So, you know, I, for everybody who was a part of that and involved in it, I can't say thank you enough. Um, you know, really appreciate the support. And, um, you know, let's let's go have some fun and, you know, try to make some make a make a cool movie. Absolutely. So I got I do have a couple of questions. I, we're going to go. Uh, through some things I asked John Wells them um, uh, last sure. show, and I, I figured we might as well get your take on it. What made you want to get into acting? Because this is a totally, again, like I told John, this is a totally selfish question because now I'm breaking into the industry. I'm just uh, curious as to what makes us want to do this. Um, <laughs> I think for me, um, acting, even though it is, it is different, um, it has a different set of requirements, a different set of skills, um, and uh, different etiquette and uh, so on. I think that acting is a natural extension to a degree of what I've been doing for the last 39 years with professional wrestling. And that's, you know, we're not actors in wrestling by any means. We're, you know, the closest we would come would be method acting um, or improv uh, sure. might be close, but we're more akin to like what a stand-up comedian does uh, just physically, you know, that's awesome. Um, You know, we tell stories within the realm, you know, of a, uh, within the, you know, context of a competitive situation. And uh, we build characters and tell stories and, you know, try to evoke an emotional response from an audience. Oh, it works. It's it's basically to a degree, the same thing, but it, you know, there's a different skill set and, and uh, that you need to learn and understand and different expectations and you got to pay your dues and, you know, start at the bottom. And, and But it's something that I think I enjoy, which is, is you know, creating these stories, telling these stories um, and acting them out in some way, whether it be, you know, physical and pantomime in the ring or, sure. or you know, uh, verbally through dialogue on camera. That's awesome. So I know I used to be a, a huge wrestling fan. Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking like and I'm still a wrestling fan, but I mean, I used to be like over the top. I was one of those guys. And, uh, you know, I used to go to WWE at the time, WWF, but, you know, would go to see WWE and stuff like that. And, and you know what? There's something about it, you know, that as a fan watching it and what you were talking about, like method acting and, you know, improv and stuff like that, I, I can tell you that. For, you know, of course, I was young. I'm, you know, I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. I thought it was real the whole time because it's real. It, it's real for you. You know what I mean? Like, you guys make it real for the fans. You guys make it real for everybody to be able to go, I like him, or, you know, there's a villain, or, you know, and it's, it's still to this, uh, to my adult life, you guys are larger than life 
characters that everybody can relate to. When you guys get in the ring, you guys always put on a good show. I've watched you many times put on a show that, you know, it's, 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 it's second to none. You guys are, are amazing at what you do. How was making the transition from the ring to acting? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And part of the reason we were able to make everything real is that the only thing that's not quote unquote real is the outcome. You know, we know right. who's going to win and who's going to lose before we walk to the ring. So right. the, thing, the only thing we're really, you know, quote unquote faking. Sure. If you want to call it that, is we're I faking. I, was say, I don't even know if it's <laughs> fake, though. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't consider that faking either. You know, none of the none of the other stuff is even remotely. I mean, everything that happens physically hurts and to some degree or That's another. Crazy. And, you know, um, it's just the intent behind it. Yeah. Uh, what we're doing it for the why is not real um and you know it's uh um the difference between acting and uh in professional wrestling there's a lot of difference there's huge 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 difference that i've learned uh over time and that's you know uh acting is much in some ways physical performance is a lot like stage acting and that you have to over uh, you know, over-exaggerate your physical movements so that, so that people can see all the way at the oh, back yeah. of the theater, yeah. you know, in the cheap seats. And, you know, we have to do that as well in, in wrestling. We have to over-exaggerate a little bit because we don't have the, the fine, tight, you know, visual connection of the camera. Sure. And, um, you know, so you have to learn to dial that back when you're, you're, uh, you're not playing to the back of the house. You're now playing to a a very small window yeah um that's right there in your face and so you got to back that down you got to learn to you know in wrestling you're you're to turn the volume up on your personality and really it's not a character you're playing it's it's really an aspect of your personality you just turn the volume up full bore wow. um when you're out there or when you're on and uh with acting you're playing somebody completely outside of yourself that might have different thoughts beliefs moral compasses and you know different motivations and you've got to try to imagine if you were that person and you know and uh, and try to you know elicit a believable uh character that sure. you know can out- let an audience be caught up in the story and either care about or want to see die all right, all right. Um, and uh and it took a while um you know in wrestling we don't it's all live and you know, yeah. it, until just recently, none of it was scripted. Right. Um, you know, we were given bullet points um, when we were to do interviews and things, you know, go out in the ring and do a promo. We were given bullet points, the gist of what we wanted to say, but then it was up to us. That's awesome. To determine how to say it, how much to say, what way to say it, you know, and, 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 and to a degree, uh, tell some kind of story verbally that would be the once upon a time to the real story that was going to take place in the ring. And you never got a second take. Wow. Um, you never got another opportunity, um, you know, and you weren't given um, a script of dialogue that you had to completely follow. Um, you know, you were just out there winging it um, and, uh, you know, um, trying to motivate or capture an audience by speaking to get them to want to show up to see you or tune in next week to see you. And um, in acting, um, it took a lot of time to 
to understand, hey, wait a minute, I don't have to get this done in 30 seconds to 45 seconds or maybe a minute. Well, two, I don't have to play it so big and over the top. Right. Three, um, I actually have to follow a written script and, and, and remember the lines that I'm not free to just say what I want, when I want, the way I want. And four, um, you know, that I could have multiple takes, that that was okay. That was not a, a you know, it was not wrong to, to do it again, where in wrestling, it is, you know, you're expected even when they're filming a vignette or they expect you to kind of hit it and hit your mark and hit your, hit what you want me to do and uh, spell it in one shot, you know, even though they'll give you multiple takes if you need them, but, right. you know, they kind of frown on it. Like the expectation is you do it right the first time and, or that's kind of, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. I said you deliver, that's it. They expect you to deliver right on the ball, you know. Man. And you you're able, you have to be able to flip a switch and turn it on. That's awesome. I mean, and see that that speaks to why you guys are so. That's why you guys were always such a big. At least I can speak for myself. I can't speak for anybody else. But this is why you guys are such a big part of, of of people's childhoods growing up and and stuff like that. Because when you got you know when you can turn it on like that, snap it. You guys are are incredibly incredibly talented, and I and I loved watching it from you know from uh from WCW to any of that stuff. I I, I loved it. It was fantastic. So, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Al Snow, I think, dropped, and uh, we'll get him back on. We'll be right back. Welcome back uh, to uh, Unmortal Live. I had a quick technical difficulty, but we got him back. So uh, as we were saying, and I want to just jump right back into it. I was saying, like, you know, a huge part of my childhood was wrestling, and, and it's because of how you guys handle yourselves. You know, you it, it's so the, the storylines between everything made me either hate somebody or, or absolutely, you know, want to root for them. They were my guys. You know, like like uh, Sting was a big like when I grew up. WCW Sting was one of my one of, was one of my favorites. You know, the uh, NWO Black and White. I think it was. They were huge. Kevin Nash, all those guys. But they were larger than life because you're right. Those are just personalities that came out that they were able to to turn up. You were huge into that. You, I mean, you you could turn yours on. You know, as soon as you were in that ring or, or doing something on 
you know, in front of that camera. So it, it, it's super, super interesting to get a chance to talk to somebody who literally had to do this for, you know, did this for a living and, and, and lived it. And now I do believe you train people, correct now? Yes. Yes. Uh, I have incredible. trained lots of people over the years. Lots of, you know, the stars that you see these days wow. are what in the business we call my kids. I don't, didn't take them to raise, but right. you know, beings are responsible for them. Absolutely. And, uh, and um, you know, we, uh, um, I own OBW. I'm part owner of OBW and um, the Alston Wrestling Academy, which is uh, the only uh, state authorized uh, by the state office of proprietary education. They oversee uh, universities, trade schools, all secondary education after high school. Wow. They um, are, we're the only authorized to be accredited as an actual trade school for professional wrestling in the, in the world. And, wow. um, you know, we, uh, um, treat it seriously and, and uh, teach people the skills that they need to potentially take advantage of any possible opportunities that arise throughout the rest of their career and, you know, allow them to the best chance to make themselves a superstar. And, you know, if they get an opportunity with a, a huge platform like WWE, then they'll be as prepared as possible to, to maximize that opportunity and, wow. and uh, take it to its fullest limit. Wow, that's incredible. So you guys, I mean, you guys do, you, that. that's awesome. So you, I've, I've noticed this, what I told you, I know uh, Jeff Traxley is a super good guy, super nice guy, but it seems like anybody who's involved with this, we're wrestling, it seems like it's a giant family, family atmosphere. We take care, you know, you guys take care of each other, you care about each other, you legitimately want to see each other succeed. To me, well, that is, that is incredible. Very, it's, it's a family, it's a very dysfunctional family, but it's <laughs> Um, we will protect and take care of our own, um, but we are also very competitive with each other and sure. very jealous and very insecure. Do you think actors are terrible? <laughs> or seeing a locker room full of wrestlers? They are some of the. They are so petty, and yet at the same time, will protect you and fight to the death for you. But then, as soon as you walk out the door, they're, you know, willing to stick a knife in your back to get thirty <laughs> seconds time. to get that so, thirty seconds of fame. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, something I noticed, too, is I'm real good friends with Peyton Hillis. Um, he's the whole reason I'm able to do all this stuff. He's like, you know, he was kind of, I guess, in a, a lack of, he was my mentor, kind of. He took me <laughs> under his wing. He, you know, we started doing movies together. Then we started doing TV shows together. And he really, you know, he took me under his wing and stuff like that and, and, and really pushed me to be a better actor. How, you know, how true is that with wrestling, too? I mean, is there certain guys that just kind of click together and that's that, sure. that's how it is? Or is it like, you know, they kind of, you know, you're able to pick and choose or is it just like a is a pretty nice, close circle? Well, it's a very close circle regardless, but um, very close knit. But there are those that you click with and that yeah. make better dance partners than others, you know. And um, and there are those that will push you to just like you said, push you to be better and you know, push you to up your game and, um, you know, and uh, in, in a positive way, um, you know, and then there's those that no matter what you do, you just can't get along with, but you'll do business with, yep. you know. So. so I got a quick question for you. The storyline for Immortal is about a man going back through time uh, to basically make uh, change the mistakes he made. Is there anything you would go back in time to change other than meeting me sooner? Uh, other than that, no. <laughs> I don't I don't have any regrets you know um, because I think you know you make the mistakes that you make 
to ultimately learn certain lessons so that you will become the person that you need to be. Wow, that's, and, uh, that's incredible. You know, um, and I don't think, I don't believe in mistakes. Nope, um, there I don't know how this keeps happening. This is insane. <laughs> no um, worries, man. It happens all the time. I put the do not disturb on. <laughs> um, I don't think, I don't believe in mistakes. You know, everybody's wow. um, afraid to make a mistake or they say, well, you know, what if you fail? How do you fail? The only way that I ever have looked, the way I see it, the only way you ever fail is if you just stop and you you wow. sit down and you don't get back up. That's when you fail. If you, you're doing something that you love, you're pursuing something that you really want to do, there's no way to fail. Wow. You know, <clears throat> you know people, I think people look too much at anything in life. Um, uh, whether it be happiness or whether it be love or whether it be what, you know, quote unquote success is how do you judge that? You know, um, how can you judge it? You know, I guess we all judge it by, well, he made a lot of money, you know, well, there are other ways to be successful than just making a lot of money. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, and, uh, but we never look at it that way. And I think we approach life. The most of us approach life as if everything is a destination. And if you don't make that destination or you don't, you don't achieve that picture in your head the way that you think you should at the time that you think you should have, then you failed somehow. I don't know how you failed. I mean, you were out there doing it and you were, you were experiencing things and you were living a life that you otherwise would have never loved. You have never had those experiences if you'd have never taken up the, the attempt in the first place. So where do you fail? I just, wow. I just don't see it. You know, I, I really, um, I just don't understand. Sincerely, I don't. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but oh no, you're dead right. You're dead. You're 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 dead right. But I've never pursued anything with the idea of it being a destination. I never got into wrestling with you know. I got into it because it was what I want, felt that I had to do and that I wanted to do. I had a passion sure. to do. You know, and I didn't have a destination in mind. I had goals that I wanted to achieve, which I think I've done, which I've been able to make a living at it. And, you know, and at times made better than what I did at other times. And yeah. I've been able to, you know, have create moments and matches that people still to this day will remember. And I've made a name for myself in a lot last, you know, my time in the wrestling business. So, wow. you know, that's all I cared about. I didn't want to be. I don't care about being, being famous don't mean anything to me. Famous, quite honestly, is, is nothing more than a tool to get you more opportunities. Sure. To become more famous, to just get more opportunities to do the thing you love to do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It doesn't serve any other purpose. And most of the people, that's their idea of success as well. You know, oh, he's famous, so she's famous. Right. Are the ones that will bitch and complain when somebody comes up, a fan comes up and asks them for an autograph. And yep. It's like, that's what you wanted. You wanted to be recognized, you wanted to be acknowledged, you wanted them to come up, wanted to, you know, have that attention, but now it's it's a problem, it's a bother for you. Well, you've wow. got to understand that that person is the reason you have the job you have. You know? Wow. Wow. You Otherwise know, you don't, don't work at Walmart. <laughs> the only thing is hearing hearing you say it, so again, I told you I was uh I was a real good friend, you know, I'm real good friends with Peyton Hillis, and that's how he, you know, that's how he thinks. I never, you know, after 
you, you know, I have my idols, right? You have your idols that you look up to and you're like, man, I'm a huge baseball fan, huge Cleveland Indians fan. You know, I'm from Cleveland, obviously, so I don't have much. So I just love all the, you know, all the sports out there. But, you know, it's one of those things that that crushed me the most, I think, was when I was growing up, I got a chance to meet Albert Bell. I mean, this is the 90s, obviously. I got a chance to meet Albert Bell and I was crushed when when he basically told me that he wasn't going to sign my autograph unless I had money. I was like 10. And I'm like, man, I looked up to this guy and, and I wanted it. And, it the only re- and I'm not saying, I mean, obviously his skill got him there. It wasn't, you know, the fandom, but, but we kept the people in business. You know, we keep the ballparks uh, full. We keep the arenas packed. That's what we do. And to hear, and you're the second, per- third, because John Wells was talking about this too. When you guys care about the fans, that you, you guys are a different breed of famous. You guys are, are famous and you understand why you're famous and you give hope to people who want to do that kind of stuff because you you were able to learn from how you ha- you know you carry yourself and you handle yourself and the first thing you talk about is it's the fans the fans do this the fans help you much like what we're doing with unmortal the fans are helping fund it the people True who enough. were writing this stuff you know they're we're doing this for for you guys and we just love doing it we love being or i love being behind the camera i think it's one of the funnest things i've ever gotten a chance to do True. you know i fell in love with it it became my drug that was what i wanted to do i wanted to be in front of the camera and you hit it right out. You know, you said success isn't based upon money and stuff like that. It took me years and years to understand what you just said. And if anybody can, if anybody's listening right now that has ever wondered what true success is or what true fulfillment is, you need to listen to what Al Snow just said because he hit it right on the nail, right on the head. Don't you know? We compare ourselves too much to to. Oh, this guy's got ten million dollars. This guy's got two million. Uh, I think that's the cause for so much. Yeah. Um, of the of well, listen, and I'm not downplaying uh, people's problems. Sure. I want people to understand this, but don't make any mistake. Everyone has anxiety. Oh, Everyone yeah. has some kind of depression, but you can make it greater when you're you know looking through social media and you're oh. trying to compare your life to other people's. Yeah. You got to understand everything in media, yep. not just socially, but everything in media generally. Yeah. Anything on TV, okay, anything on TV is not real. Yep. Anything in social media is not real. I'm not going to put up pictures of me looking at my worst and dealing right. with the stress of life and, you know, having to pay bills. And I'm going to put up pictures where I'm putting myself over. And yeah. My life's awesome and it looks great, you know, and you're going to wow. look at it and go, God, I wish I was doing that or I wish I had went on that trip. Well, Listen, I might be on the trip, but I might be working and busting my ass. That's right. You know. Yep. You know, but um, you know, so don't don't compare yourself. Exactly. Don't and don't don't sit there with a well, if I can make it to this destination, then it'll all be okay. You know? Wow. It's your you nobody makes you. This is a truth about life, is that nobody makes you feel anything. I know you wow. like to believe you that people do. And I know that in this society, we all want to be a victim and we all want to have more troubles and pains than everybody else. Right. At the end of the day, nobody, nobody genuinely offends you. Nobody genuinely ha- makes you happy. No one makes you angry. Yeah, 100%. Okay? Wow. They do a behavior. And then you, you can choose how you feel. You know, you can, you do, it's hard because, you know, emotions are not sure logical and, and you know, you can't always control yourself, but. You can make decisions a lot of times on, you know, how you take things and take people's behavior because sometimes they may not have intended or meant it the way that you took it. Sure. You know? 
and you know you can you can choose to just not let it bother you and let it roll off your back wow because quite honestly if, if it ain't gonna matter in five months why are you spending five minutes worried about it right now exactly and that that's another thing that took me probably 15 years to to understand you know what i mean is is when you're doing stuff like this and you're always going to have somebody who hates something you do you're always going to have somebody's always going to have a problem but but just what you said in five months does it really matter in five months are you doing what you remember do? in five months exactly so. i barely remember what i had for breakfast yesterday so i sure don't remember the person who was hating on me on social media or or hey you know hating a movie i did or hating a tv show i did or whatever but i it's, it's it's incredible to hear you know somebody of your stature come out there and, and basically talk like this because it, it, it's a, a lot of fans i'm sure a lot of fans are sitting there going wow you know this is uh, people who look up to you are going yep this is how i need to i, I this is how i need to think now we need to stop being I so that. <laughs> <laughs> i want to i want to put a, a little precursor in there everything i say is just advice just advice all oh, right and, and you know it works for me. Yeah. It gives me my peace. Hey, you know, matters. and I always use you know as far as advice, advice is concerned. Yeah. I mean, if I'm smart, if you're smart enough, I don't need to tell you. If you're dumb enough, you're not going to listen anyways. Wow. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're the only one that has to wake up with your decisions, and you're the only one that goes to bed with them. Wow. So live your life the way you wish and what works for you, because what works for me may not, you know, may not necessarily work for you that way. True. Yeah. Absolutely. So you've done uh, real quick while we while we change gears. You've you've worked uh, uh, actually alongside John Wells for about f- what four or five times. How do you guys yeah. like? Uh, I mean, how are you guys? How, how did that happen? I mean, you guys just kind of clicked, connected. Everything was good, and then now it's like you know we're talking about that close knit circle and stuff. Now you guys got your own, uh, you know, your own thing going. How how did that all unfold? And, and yeah, we got our own thing going. <laughs> um. <laughs> I have such a man crush on John Wells. Oh, it's bromance. Um, you got a bromance gun. We got a serious bromance. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, he's such an awesome guy. And, you know, he's so talented. He's very talented, very good looking oh, yeah. guy. So, you know, it really sounds like I got a major crush on him when I talk like that. Hey, um, no worries here. And hey, you, you, who can blame me? I mean, <laughs> John Wells. That right? Um, yeah. We met on an independent film years ago um, called Overtime and I'd, I'd never met John I'd never spoken to him and um, we were supposed to film the very uh, the scene where we were standing outside the door of a house like I we were just walking out of my house I was a married married man had forgotten my kids birthday party was that day and I had agreed to do we were hitmen that agreed to do a job oh, wow. and so the very first scene, we're standing we i'd never met him um and we were standing there kind of goofing around outside and then we filmed that scene where we're walking away from the house and he's basically busting my balls um about forgetting my child's birthday and uh and i mean it was like we had known each other for years like you know we'd we'd been the way we played off each other and and you know uh, interacted and and uh, it was just so, like, so easy. And, like, we had literally had been around each other and had been friends for years. And we just clicked, and we've been friends ever since. And every time we've gotten the opportunity, the, the you know, the great chance to work with each other, it's all been because, you know, somebody else 
Saul, you know, wanted us and brought us together to do it. Yeah. It wasn't because we, we were like, hey, why don't you get this guy or whatever? Um, they just, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, we, we seem to have a chemistry that yep. seems to work. So that's awesome. See, I mean, when I got a chance to interview him, he was super, I mean, he was super professional, super, he even gave me oh, yeah. pointers and tips and stuff on how I can better what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and it's just like people like that are class acts. That's how me and Hillis reacts. I do with, uh, you know, I do a show with Matt Tift, uh, the NASCAR, uh, former NASCAR driver, now NASCAR team owner. You know, I, I work a lot with those two and it's because I think our chemistry, like you said, is just so, I mean, you know, Hillis is larger than life. So he's always yelling at me and I'm the person who paces around and I bring the comedic relief. So he yells at me and I yell at him and it's just, I guess on, on, on screen, it works out pretty well because I, you know, I'm 5'10 and he's not. So so, he's super big and and I'm not. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, I think that is what, um, you know especially in wrestling um, is uh, you have to be very real, you know, just like you do on stage as a stand-up comedian, you, you have to be very honest with yourself and, and uh, be willing to be honest in front of an audience. And, you know, the, when you can find somebody that you can, that it's just there and it's not like you have to force it. Yeah. God, it, it just plays so much better, you know, through the camera because the audience can feel it. They can, they can catch it, you know, they understand it and, and, you know, that's why it works. See that then, and that's, and I, I agree with you hundred percent. Cause when you have that, you know, you can tell right away if you're going to get along with somebody or if you're not, you know what I mean? Like if you got that, especially in this industry, I find out, I found out there's people where you can look at them and go, oh, God, this is going to suck. You know what I mean? Or you look at them and go, oh, all right, I vibe with them. This is going to be good. We got that energy going. We're going to start getting louder and screaming. And, you know, me and Hillis have to be the loudest people on set. So there was, you know, I I told uh, John that the story where we were mic'd up and the and we forgot we were mic'd up. So we're talking all kinds of crap. You know what I mean? We're laughing and having a good time. And we're, you know, finally the sound guy pops his head out and he's like, I can hear everything you guys are saying we're like ah crap so it's like those fun things you know we got to have that kind of uh of fun stuff and and you know we did the horror flick so that was you know that was super fun to watch him in his element and and being you know do, doing his thing so yeah i get it when you vibe with somebody and you can get that going it, it projects on a screen and that's what john was talking a little bit about on his interview too when i asked that question to him is is he said the chemistry is just there and you you can't teach that you can't go to acting school for that you it's just it's there and the fact yeah. that you guys have that's why I mean you know you, you guys will work together years and years and years moving forward. So I got a oh yeah you absolutely. So I got an, another question for you. If you were to live sure. in any fantasy world, would it be Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones? Oh boy, that would be that's a tough call. <laughs> I love both of both of those very much, um, and uh, they both have their appeal. Um, you know and. Uh, I don't know, man. That'd be that'd be a that'd be a toss up between the two. Um, <clears throat> I really, you know, with you know, Lord of the Rings are all the different uh, races. And yep, that makes it so much more of an interesting world. But yeah, you know, um, and more uh, outward displays of magic and abilities, and uh, you know, where with um, you know, Game of Thrones is more more all everyone's just a human. It's just is human. You yeah, know, just from different areas so different regions and uh, so i think i would probably prefer lord, uh, lord of the rings 
Yeah, I think I have to. I have to agree with you. I was never. I never really got into Game of Thrones. My producer, who's behind the camera, is like, oh, you know, he's freaking out right now. But he was a big, but he's huge Lord of the Rings a, fan. But I was a huge. I I read J.R. Tolkien's books probably seven or eight times, all of them, all the way through. Oh, Maybe wow. more than that, quite honestly. Oh, so you're um, a, so you're into fantasy uh, stuff like that then? I, yeah, I'm a voracious reader. Cool. Um, I've read everything, you know, all the classics you're supposed to read. I mean, I've read the Bible, read the Quran. I just haven't read. Um, I read. Uh, I started working on reading uh, the Book of Mormon. Oh, it's wow. funny. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then you know, I've I started reading um, fantasy books and. Um, they ran their court, you know, the problem with them was that any of the good ones were always, you know, they were in three parts. They were yeah. three, you know, and I'd read them faster and they could publish them. So I started reading, you know, uh, suspense or, you know, uh, horror, yeah. uh, novels, uh, you know, Dean Koontz, I got on a Dean Koontz Dean, kid. Yes. While. All right. I'm a huge Dean Koontz fan. I just stopped because he got too formulatic with some of his books. Have you ever read yeah. any Dan Brown? Are you a Dan Brown fan? I've read some of that. Yep, yep. And then I, I got back into comic books oh. um, and reading them on a weekly basis. Um, and the the entryway or, uh, got me back in. I was reading all the graphic novels back at the time when they were actually, the graphic novels were separate stories. Yeah. And, um, and they had come out with Identity Crisis in D.C. Yes. Oh, I awesome love it. Book, and um, so that was uh, what got me going back in, and got me hooked, and uh, and then you know I just went from there, and now I I just I read them every week, and you know uh, love them. That, so. Me too. I'm a so I'm I'm a huge DC fan. I'm a Batman fan through and through. Like it's you know every and I like Marvel. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Marvel. I just oh, no, no, love I, DC. I, I, liked, I used to be more Marvel than I was DC when I was a kid. Really? And then and then DC up the writing game. Yeah. Like with that, you know, uh and then when uh you know Grant Morrison, you know, he redefined Batman and and that's it's the Batman that everyone now, now you knows. know makes Batman as the character as. Yeah. And uh but then Marvel stepped up with Bendis, Moran Michael Bendis and they did that seven year story arc, you know, and and literally meticulously over all these different titles. I and mean, it was just mind blowing how they had put together a seven year puzzle yeah. of telling the story. And uh and then Christopher Priest when he had his run on Black Panther. I mean, that's the Black Panther you see on the screen and you see in the books now is is Christopher Priest's yeah. Black Panther, you know. And it, it's just amazing to see how well written. You know, and Jeff Johns when he was he was on his JSA run, and I'm just in, in Green Lantern stuff like that. So I know oh, my yeah. comic books. Yeah, heck yeah, you do. And this is this is where me and you get a get a chance to to, to have some vibing going on. Yeah. So I was uh, so I'm like I said, I'm, I believe I love reading, but I believe that I used to, you know my I let my kids read comic books, and you know my mom's like, why would you do that? You know why? And I said because comic books are the gateway drug to to literacy if you can read comic books and you get yeah. into it and they love it because i'm a big reader so I, of course i want my kids to read but i'm a big 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 sports guy none of my kids are none of them yeah. they all they just don't watch it it's, it's, it's not something that interests them so i i, I scr you know scratching my head as a father going how in the hell can i can i 
you know, bond with these guys? How can I figure something out? My son's a huge Star Wars fan. All my kids are big comic book fans. So I'm like, all right, we're going, you know, we're going to the comic book store every week. We're going to start sitting down reading. We're going to start watching the Mandalorian. We're going to start watching the, you know, the Star Wars. And through that, I've always been a, a comic book person, but now we get to have these great debates at dinner with my children as I'm going, DC's better. And they're like, no, Marvel's better. And then it's like, all right, <laughs> let's do this. And that, so that's a way for us to, to kind of get, you know, to, to sit down and be able to, I, I guess, get to know each other better and, and find out what makes each other tick. And so yeah. the fact that you said you've always, you know, you know, your comic books, I want them to be able to be, you know, to spew stuff out like that to where they're, you know, they have that knowledge of, of why they're reading it, why they're doing it in comic books. Just like like wrestling and 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 uh, and sports like that 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 are full contact, they teach people things. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to go out there and try to fight crime, but you can still have some of the the morals and values that a lot of these superheroes hold. So when people are like, "Oh, you know, don't look up to them," it's like, no, absolutely. No, comic books um, deal with and and are a great way of explaining and teaching scientific theories. Yeah, um, higher higher planes of, of ideas and thought processes and, and vocabulary. You know, the, you, you know I, I've learned so much as far as, you know, uh, you know, thoughts and premises and ideas and, you know, uh, that were presented in comic books as fiction, but, you know, really had scientific basis yeah. to them. And, and, and now as an adult, I'm learning, you know, we're now catching up on, you know, what comic books we're talking about, you know, multiple <clears throat> universes and you know realities and things like that comic books were you know working on that theory oh, yeah. that quantum physical theory um years ago and you know about the fact dc's had you know 50 uni 52 universes 52 yep yep 52, 52 universes Earths and you know the coexistence of different realities so you know when i when you see it now you you really understand what you know people are presenting yeah um it teaches you to to be able to understand and accept a higher concepts and higher ideas of a younger age and, yeah. a, and a much greater vocabulary oh no absolutely and uh, you know something i uh, t today's kids have no idea you know i'm trying to teach that and i'm guilty of this too uh, letting your kids sit in front of a, a a phone or a tablet for 16 hours a day is awful because it doesn't expand their imagination but i'm telling you when you get lost into a comic book you're there like, I mean, and that's what opens the minds to these kids to be able to to, to be great thinkers and be innovators and, and get that spark to go out there and have some type of of entrepreneurship themselves. And it all starts with how can you expand their mind? How can you expand the imagination? So I'm yeah, that, that's awesome that uh, that we kind of have that same view on, on comic books. And I'm glad my, my my kids are into them. And I, and I think that as 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 I push them to you know, to, to open up their minds more and accept things and, and have some fun with it. I think you're going to, if everybody could do that, I think you're going to start to see uh, bigger things take place, not just around us, but just pretty much everywhere. If we could just get the kids back to having an imagination again. Well, I think they still do. I, you know, um, you know, even, you know, when we're, you're talking about comic books, yeah. you know, every generation has had the bane of the younger generation's existence. Yep. You know that it's going to ruin them, and, and you know now it's it's video games and yeah. cell phones, and you know, and one time in the United States, you know, comic books were considered the bane of the younger generation. Reading, reading books in Victorian times were uh -huh. was considered you know a bane and was going to destroy the 
younger generation because um, they were staying indoors and reading too much. Sure. You know, so, um, you know, it, 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 it's, you know, I think that it, it, everything is good in moderation. moderation. Everything, everything can be bad sure. if, if it takes over your life. You wow. Know? So. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So one more question for you before we take off, if you don't mind. You, sure. I mean, you have been in pro, you know, you're a pro wrestler. You're, you're, you're doing all these films and stuff. I got to know because I got to bulk up at some point. What is your workout routine? How the heck can I, can I do something so I don't look like a twig? <laughs> well, the biggest secret is consistency. Um, it doesn't do you any good to, to, you know, work out for a week or two or, or anything. The second biggest secret is is try to impress yourself. Don't try to impress anybody else. Do what's right for you. Do what works for you. And, and you know, and uh, and then always make it at least fun and challenging. Um, the lesson I learned um, was that, you know, for me, um, doing a lot more functional and compound movements wow. uh, do a lot more wonders for me and my physique and size-wise than, you know, trying to do the typical push pull and upper body one day, lower body the next, uh, arms one day, chest the next. Uh, I work my whole body every time I work out and wow. I try to do the most important thing, which is, uh, and I tell everybody this, if you want to lose weight, do squats. If you want to gain muscular oh. size over your entire body, do squats, work your legs. Wow. That is the key work them as much and as frequently and as heavy as you can, you know, and, and if you can't uh, do it, you know, uh, wait, just do free squats at first, get the form, get the, get the right way to do it. And the, the old myth that lower is word, it's bad on your knees. Nothing can be further from the truth. It's actually better for your knees and better for your back. If you do it in proper form and the lower you go, the stronger overall you'll get. Um, from head to toe and and it will transform your entire body more than any other exercise you do deadlifts and squats will will do more for you than a million bench presses or a million wow. push-ups or you know curls for your biceps your arms will grow your shoulders will grow your back will grow if you work your legs no kidding that's crazy. I had, I had no idea about that. And I, I mean, I, I it's funny because I, I did, I used to box and I was, uh, you know, so I, I do, you know, working out is, isn't something that, uh, you know, I'm afraid of or doesn't come natural, sure. but you know, so I, I never knew that though. I was never, ever told that if you do squats, a, you're uh, working it out. Strength coach, an Olympic strength coach that, uh, was the Olympic strength coach for the Chinese volleyball team. And, um, he, uh, we had dinner and, and um, he was talking about a university study. Wow. Um, they took three groups of people and uh, followed them for like 90 days, I think it was. And they uh, only had one group only work their upper body intensely. They had a second group that worked both their upper and lower body intensely. And they had a third group that only worked their lower body intensely. And the first group that worked just their upper body had minimal uh, fat loss and had minimal muscle gain Wow! Um, from head to toe. The group that worked both their upper and lower body um, had just slightly more 
fat loss and muscle gain than the group that only worked their upper body. And the group that intensely worked only their lower body from head to toe had the most fat loss and had the most muscle gain from head to toe than any of the other two groups. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So if you ever get the chance, and this was what inspired me to change my routine and work out the way I do nowadays is I Googled uh, an old wrestler by the name. This is like in the 1900s, a wrestler by the name of George Hackenschmidt. He developed the hack squat. Um, also, I think he also created the, the bench press. Oh, wow. um, and uh, I Googled him and, and I got a bunch of old time strongmen, old time wrestlers and um, started, you know, and if you look at the photos of these guys, they're, they're amazing. They're jacked. They yeah. look absolutely incredible. Wow. And um, this factory time where, you know, not the usual excuse, they didn't have steroids. Sure. They didn't know what a carb was or even what a calorie was. Wow. Um, you know, they just ate. They didn't have any particular way they, you know, a time of day or like, we, you know, every, we have so much more that we can information, but right. they didn't have anything. And they were able to look absolutely incredible and were able to perform amazing feats of strength. Wow. And I decided, well, you know what? I'm going to start training like they do. Well, yeah, why and not? it's made a big difference for me and I've wow. enjoyed working out more because it's finding ways to be challenging and, and, uh, and, uh, more exciting and not just boring and going in and doing the same thing over and over again, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. So heck yeah. Well, thanks man. Before we go though, I did get a super, super big update. I think you just got the update the same time I got the update. They I'm just, either. they just added three slots, uh, on the Kickstarter. Four ninety nine, four hundred ninety nine dollars, and you'll be able to get killed by Al Snow in the upcoming film. He said, "Always fun, and I'll do it gently." <laughs> I think that's awesome. You guys are coming up with super cool ways for this kickstart, man, and and the fact that you guys are being so creative and really letting the fans leech. Le- I mean, that's that's what this is about. You guys have let the fans leech onto this and and, and take control. It's it's controlled chaos and and it's just it's amazing to watch it grow. It's amazing, even from the very first call I had with Wit for crying out loud, to what sure. it's to what's happened now. Um, I, I'm just super impressed. I'm super super happy I got to meet you and John Wells both. Pleasure, I'm happy, very uh, much a pleasure. Thanks, man. I, it, it's been great in the Unmortal Live uh, podcast. It's been great to kind of set up and, and get people on, and we're gonna have more people funneling through here and talking about it yeah. as as we go. Well, again, thank you very much for your time and. You know, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate all the fans out there um, who have supported me for the years in wrestling and, and are supporting me with uh, with acting and with Immortal. Um, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, very exciting, very fun yeah. uh, adventure film, uh, swords and sorcery. And I love that kind of stuff. So, you know, the only thing that would be better is to get to be a cowboy one of these days in a Western. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I have to talk to Hillis about that because he's trying to do that now. So I have to get yeah. you and him in contact. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be awesome. I want to know what it'd be. I've always being a cowboy and then being, you know, like Conan the Barbarian. That's, that's oh, you make a perfect Conan. That's what we need to do. We need to remake Conan, and we need to get you in there. 
That's right. <laughs> it's been awesome, man. It's been a pleasure. I'm super happy I got to meet you. I'm super happy I'm going to get to star with you or co-star with you in the, uh, in the, sh- in the short film we're going to be producing and, and making sure. here. So thanks, everybody, for the kickstart. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Al, like I said, top-notch guy. It was great to have him on. Great to, to hear his interview. I hope the fans got to connect a little bit more. And we'll be back next Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Unmortal Live. Stay tuned. Check out the kickstart. And, I mean, for 500 bucks, you get to get killed by Al Snow? Hell, I mean, if I wasn't yeah. in it, I'd pay it. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, I just kill people for free. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> We appreciate it, guys, and we'll see you next Sunday.